0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Tonight, just talking about being empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. And in the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 will be our opening text. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts, Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, which shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. Zerubbabel was given the task of rebuilding the temple, but just like any generation, the people got very busy with their own lives. They had a lot to do for themselves. They had their own houses to build, they had their own vineyards to plant and all that, and little by little they stopped doing the work of God. The work of God came to a halt And as a result, it was just left undone. Well, God paid a visit and told Zerubbabel something that was what I believe to be a timeless truth. God's work is a supernatural work. It's a spiritual work. It's not done by the power or the might of human strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, is what he told him so as good as our efforts can be they're not good enough it's a supernatural work and it involves getting the lost saved getting the saved established getting the established trained getting the trained sent out into the ministry it involves healing the sick setting the captives free it involves what Jesus preached in Luke's gospel chapter 4 when he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor the good news that what Jesus saves, Jesus heals Jesus transforms the human life he really enables us to be what he wants us to be if we just surrender our hearts to him and our will to him, you see it's not about just attending church It's about being transformed. It's about being changed from glory to glory. And this is the work of the church to help in this endeavor, to see to it that people are coming to Jesus, getting established in Jesus, getting trained so that they can use their gifts, their talents, their abilities to advance the kingdom of God. And then we send them out as ambassadors for Christ in the world to represent him. Can you imagine that? An ambassador is a representative of the highest order And every child of God is an ambassador for Christ. That means you are a representative of the highest order. And you're representing the highest government in all the universe. God's kingdom. Every single one of us has that same responsibility to be an ambassador for Christ. Now imagine this responsibility was placed upon his shoulders. He wasn't getting the job done. And you can see why, because notice he said there's going to be a mountain of opposition that's going to come against you. You've already seen that in your first endeavor. But you know what? That mountain's going to come down to be a plane. That mountain's going to be reduced to nothing. I know I'm speaking to somebody right now. You've had a mountain that you've been staring at for a long period of time, it's about to come down, it's about to be a plane. It'll be shoutings of grace that'll get the job done. You know why it's grace? Because it's God's power, not our power. It's God's abilities, not our abilities. It's not by our works, but by the grace of God. The grace of God began the work in us, and the grace of God will finish the work in us. So it's not by the works that we do, but it's by the works he has done. And so we thank God for His grace, which is His operational power. It's not human effort. It's supernatural power, the grace of Almighty God. Paul the Apostle said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He made me what I am. Paul was Saul of Tarsus. Saul was a murderer. Saul hated Christ and Christianity. Saul set out to snuff it out in its inception. But he saw Jesus on the Damascus Road by the grace of Almighty God. And when he appeared to him, he took him and changed him completely. A complete 180. Turned his heart around. Turned his life around. Now rather than destroying the work of God, he began to build the work of God. As God anointed him by his spirit. Amen. I'm going to break this down for us this evening because I believe it's very important. Look, number one. It's not by our power might at all, that the work of God is achieved. And that word might there is talking about a collective army. In other words, it means strength. And the two words, might and power, are different Hebrew words. So this one means strength. I can give you this illustration. If you had an army of 100 men or 102-year-olds, And you needed to fight in a war. What would you choose? The men or the two-year-olds? I think it's a no-brainer. Because men are stronger than two-year-olds. So in other words, he is saying it's the strength. But it's not human strength that's going to get the job done. Thank God for human strength. But the work of God requires more than human strength. And if we're trusting in human strength... To get the job done. Well guess what? We're wasting our time. It's not good enough. Look at Psalm 20. And verses 6 through 8. Now I. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven. And the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots. And some in horses. That's human strength. But we will remember the name. Of the Lord our God. That's. By the power of his might. They are brought down. That's the result of trusting in human strength. But we are risen and stand upright. So there's the choice. Would we rather have human strength? Or would we rather have the power of God? We'd rather have the might of God. Number two. It's not in the might of numbers. Look in the book of 1 Chronicles. Chapter 21, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. David took a census against the counsel of Joab, but he still went ahead and did it anyhow. Even though he said it would really make God angry, you know why? God's not impressed with numbers. It doesn't matter to God if he's against, standing against a hundred men or a million men. It doesn't matter to God. But David, for some reason, got to this place to where he wanted to take a census to count how many men they had, to make sure that they would be equipped to handle the enemy, etc., etc. Well, look at what happened. Look in Second Chronicles chapter 14. 1 Chronicles chapter 14. And God was displeased with this thing Therefore he smote Israel, and David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. Notice, David even though he's a man after God's own heart still had some flaws. No one is perfect this side of heaven. No one doesn't matter who we are, we can all be tempted to do the wrong thing. And he was, even against the proper counsel, he still did the wrong thing. And as a result, God was very sorely displeased with him. Now, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 14. If you recall the story of the Ethiopian army that was coming against Judah and Asa. Asa cried to the Lord, his God... And said, Lord, it's nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Notice this. There were one million soldiers with 300 chariots coming against Judah in the days of Asa the king. He called upon the name of the Lord during that time, and the Lord delivered them from the enemy. One million strong. He had 300,000 men. You think that's a lot. But against one million, it's no match. Well, the second time around, he refused. But you'll see something here. Asa cried to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it's nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against us. And as a result, he was delivered. Delivered by the hand of God, even though they had a small amount of men. And so, if we want to trust in ourselves, our own strength, our own power, our own abilities, we're not going to get the job done. But if we learn to trust in, rely upon, and depend on him, his power, his strength, and his might, it doesn't matter how many we have on our side. I guarantee you, if you just have one on your side, when you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, you've got the majority. You've got enough power, praise God, to do anything. Amen. He's on our side. He's with us. He's for us. He's in us. And he says, I'll defend you. I will fight for you. I will go before you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. So thank God when he's on our side. So he wants us to trust him. And if we trust him, he'll bring us to victory. Number three, it's money. And here's the rest of the story. It's not by the power or the might of money that the work of God is going to be done or accomplished. Not at all. Look in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Here we have King Asa once again, but only this is a time later after he saw the mighty hand of God move. He saw the mighty hand of God work. He saw how they were delivered from one million men with their small amount. But this time as they were challenged, then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, there is a league between me and thee, and there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold, go break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, That he may depart from me. To put that short. He paid for protection. Instead of believing God. Relying on God. And trusting in God for protection. He brought out the the money from the Lord's treasury. He used God's money to help buy protection for Judah. God wasn't pleased with that. Matter of fact. What happens is look look at the verses 7-9 through of the same text, the same chapter. At that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him because thou hast relied on the king of Syria or because you have relied on your money buying the strength of another nation and not relied on the Lord your God therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans, a huge host, with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And people wonder wonder why they're having problems when they put their trust in something like money to buy protection, even though you saw God work before and deliver you from a million men. So they're trusting now and relying on what? Human effort. But he says to him, remember, it's not by power or might of human strength is by my spirit saith the lord now the second part look at not by power now the word power here in the hebrew is different than the word might power here is talking about individual abilities that a person has so it's individual powers so it can refer to our own efforts apart from god anybody here remember the story of samson and how samson when he was anointed by god he can do great feats of strength Okay, so here's what we have. He is a perfect example of someone who's trusting in the anointing and power of God in his life or in your own strength and ability. And as long as he was letting his hair grow and didn't cut his hair off, we see him do things like take the jawbone of a mule and kill 1,000 Philistines. Now, I don't know about you. One facing 1,000. You would think somehow, some way, with their weapons that they had, because this is an army. Whether it's a bow and arrow, whether it's a spear and a shield and all that. I mean 1,000 to one? Come on. You would think there's no possible way. But it goes to show us that someone who trusts in, relies on, depends on the power of Almighty God, and not his own strength, power, or ability can do great and mighty things. And so imagine 1,000 men coming against him, and he defeats them all with the jawbone of a mule. But then he got a haircut. Delilah, Delilah, she convinced him to get a haircut. She found out where his power was. He got a haircut and this time he tried to rise up thinking that he would defeat the enemy, but in his own strength he could not defeat one Philistine. In his own strength he couldn't overcome any challenge. He's then found blind, bound, and grinding at the mill of his enemy. What a difference between trusting in God and trusting in one's own personal strength or abilities. Beloved, if we want to get somewhere in God, here's what's necessary. Lord, apart from you, I am nothing. Apart from you, I have nothing. Apart from you, I know nothing. And apart from you, I can do nothing. I acknowledge that. So I'm not coming in my own strength. I'm coming to you for your anointing in my life, for your grace in my life. You make me what you want me to be. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my will to you. I surrender my ways to you. I want to walk in your will, walk in your ways, carry out the purpose of your will for my life. And you know what? He'll empower us. He'll equip us to do what we can't do because we're not operating in our own strength, but in His, in divine enablement. Now, secondly, human wisdom. There's human strength individually. There's human wisdom. Like, isn't this person so smart? Isn't it something how we exalt people on this planet saying like they have such a high IQ and we think something, you know, spectacular about that person? Like you're an Einstein. As if someone says you're an Einstein means something wonderful. You're so smart. Did you know that man's highest education can't compare to the lowest of God's? Look in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18-20. through 20. Let no man deceive himself, and if any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Why? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. It doesn't matter how smart someone is. No one is smarter than God. No one knows more than God. Why do we want to walk in the ways of man when we can have the ways of God? When we can have the mind of Christ? When we can begin thinking the way he wants us to think. So he's saying it's not by power. It's not our human ideas. It's not our own strategies. It's not our own programs that we come up with. You know, man has an idea. This is what we need to do. That's what we need to do. But you know what? God's ways and God's thoughts are so much higher than ours that ours can't even begin to compare, can't compare, you know God has ways, for example where walls of Jericho can come down, that a man would never ever think of, he would never think of walking around the walls, once a day for six days, on the seventh day walk around it seven times, when you get down on the seventh time, blow the shofar, and watch the walls come down as you shout, What a military strategy that is. Really? Are you kidding me? You tell that to some military leader, and I guarantee you they're going to laugh you right out of the room. Think about it. Who would do that? Or in the days of Jehoshaphat, we've got three armies coming against us, and they are bent on destroying us and wiping us off the planet. Those three armies, I call them the devil, the world, and the flesh, from three different countries coming to destroy Every one of their lives. And God says, what you need to do is send out the praisers. Send out the worship team. Now, wait a minute. The prophet, did you hear him correctly? Didn't he say send out the warriors? No. He said send out the praisers. And when the praisers go and they begin to sing that the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever, you'll have a mighty victory. Okay, who's first in line? (coughs) Let them go out in front of you. No protection whatsoever, except the hand of God. And so what happens? They go, and they win. They have the victory, because when they said the Lord is good, the Lord sent ambushments against them. Remember the days of the prophet when uh, his servant said, Lord, how are we going to fail, or fare?" We're surrounded by the Syrian army, and they're going to destroy us. And what does the prophet say? Open up his eyes, Lord, that he may see. There's more that be with us than to be with them. Isn't it something you could look at the same thing and have two different perspectives? And the man says, what? Open up his eyes so that he can see. And he opens up his eyes, and he sees behind that army of men, we have a host of angels surrounding them. God wants us to lift up our eyes. And see beyond what we see in this natural world. And have confidence enough to trust in him and believe that he is behind the scenes at work. And what he's waiting for is for us to cooperate with him by declaring what we know to be true from the word of God. And exalting his word above what our senses tell us. Exalting exalting his word above the way we think and our own personal wisdom. He wants us, praise God, to honor him and put him exclusively first in our lives. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 25, and it kind of says it all. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is the way of death. You know, I talk to many people on a daily basis, and people that are out there in the world, and they think that they can actually take care of their own future and eternity. They think that they're handling their lives okay. They think that religion is weakness and that you don't really need anything more or anyone more than yourself, that you can do it. You can get through life. I had one person at a funeral one time. He didn't like my message. And so he came to me after it was over, basically just stood there and just said, I don't fear death at all. Isn't it something how someone can stand on this side of heaven and say, I don't fear death at all. All I can take care of myself, I'm not afraid to die. But I guarantee you, when he comes up out of that body and he descends and doesn't ascend, he didn't need God in his life. But I'm telling you right now, he doesn't know what he needed because he's not smart enough to know what he needs. He needed God's divine intervention, he needed the blood of Jesus Christ, he needed the hand of God to be upon him. He needed to have his eyes open so that he can see his need goes beyond himself and that he can't save himself. He will not. Spare his eternity. Man thinks he's wise. But God chose to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Amen. Amen. Thirdly, hard work. Hard work. What an example Cain is of hard work. He labored and labored and labored and was excited about bringing his offering before the Lord. But guess what? He left something out. He didn't follow the guidelines. He didn't follow the rules. He didn't do what God said for him to do. He did it his way. He didn't do it God's way. And because he did it his way, even though his work was hard, he worked very hard to try to please God. Works don't please God. Good works are the results of salvation. They're not the cause of salvation. We're saved for good works. We're not saved by good works. And so it's called the way of Cain in the Bible. Doing it on our own, doing it by ourselves. So what does he tell Jehoshaphat? It's not by might and it's not by power, but by my spirit, say it, Lord. You can't do it on your own. Beloved, whether it's an individual, a family or a church, whether it's a marriage or whoever, whatever, we need the hand of God. We need the power of God. And I guarantee you, even in our churches of today, there is a lacking of the power of almighty God to save a sin sick soul. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been kind of ushered out in some places. I believe that if he left, people wouldn't even know it. Beloved, we need what we had here tonight. As the spirit of God began to manifest himself and the glory of God begins to show up. God wants us to honor him and set him apart and say this is all about you Lord all about you I humble myself before you it's all about you it's your work it's your doing he says it's by my spirit And look at this last part of this in John's Gospel chapter 16 Jesus makes a wonderful statement but sometimes to some people a confusing statement especially to his apostles his disciples Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, profitable, or beneficial for you that I go away. Now, these men were with him for three and a half years. They ate with him, slept with him, walked with him. They saw him do things that a man has never done before. They saw him walk on water. They saw him translocate a boat in the middle of the sea all the way to shore. They saw him raise a dead man four days beginning to decay from the dead and bring him back to life. They saw him multiply food, fish, bread and feed masses amounts of people with leftovers. Oh, they saw him bring money out of a fish's mouth. They saw him do for something like take water and turn it into wine. They saw many things that this man had done. And there they were, and now he's saying it's better for you if I leave. Can you imagine what their hearts are like at that moment. We don't want you to leave. We don't want you to go. We want you to stay here. But he says, no, it's beneficial. It's expedient. It's better for you if I go. Because if I don't go away, the comforter, the paraclete will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. How important must it be that he send the Holy Spirit to take his place? Well it's because of this. If he's here he can only do so much. He can only go so far. He can only be at one place at a time. But if he goes away and if he provides redemption and he sends the Holy Ghost he is sending the third person of deity into the hearts and lives of every individual person who will accept him on this planet. He can touch hearts around the world globally, and all they have to do is call upon his name. So he says, look, it's by the Spirit, he tells the Zerubbabel, that the work's going to be done. What does that tell us? This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, like in the beginning, is hovering over the word of God, waiting for someone to proclaim it, someone to declare it. And once they do, he will move in power and might and make that word of God a reality in that person's life. I want you to know something. He saves, he heals, he delivers, he sets free. He makes whole. He provides for, he protects. He does great and mighty things for people, but it's up to people to cooperate with him By declaring the word in their lives. It's not apart from us that God does what he does. It's in cooperation with us as we cooperate with him. So look at these things that the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, let's look at um, what I wrote there about muscle. It's not by muscle. It's not by mentality. It's not by money that the work of God gets done. Oh, it's not by human strength muscle. It's not by mentality, man's wisdom. It's not by how much money we have, because money can never buy your redemption. No, it's by the Spirit of God. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and verse 49, I want you to see this. Before he left, Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost an awful lot. John 14, 15, 16, those chapters, he talked about the need for the Holy Ghost to come and to anoint people from on high. He tells his own apostles or disciples, look, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And what he's telling these individuals is that you're not going to go out alone because if you go out there in your own strength, your own muscle, your own mentality, your own understanding, your own wisdom, your own ways, your own thoughts. If you go out there thinking that you could do it with money, you're not going to buy anything to promote the thing of God, you'll fail. But if you go out there empowered by my spirit from on high, you will turn the world upside down. Wait until you're in due with power from on high. And I submit to you this evening, If Jesus had to be in due with power from on high, which Acts 10.38 says he was, and in Matthew's Gospel chapter 3, we're told that when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God came upon him. He did not do one miracle before he was in due with power from on high. And after he was in due with power from on high, then he began to work the works that the Father sent him to do. He never took credit for any work that he he ever did when he was here upon the planet. He says, it's my Father and me. He does the works. If the disciples needed to be endued with power from on high, if the early church needed to be endued with power from on high, are we not the same church in this dispensation as they were at the very beginning of this dispensation? Are we not the same church, the same absolutely dispensation? Well, then we too need endued with power from on high. And it's sad to say, but many in our circles as well fail to realize the need to value the importance of having this manifestation of the spirit from on high and we try to get through life in our own strength our own ability when we have at our fingertips the very power of the holy spirit of god that can transcend our muscle our mentality, our money, or any possession that we might have. No wonder David said after he had sinned with Bathsheba and he was called uh, under the carpet by Nathan the prophet, he said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, forgive me. He knew the value and the importance of the Holy Spirit in his life. The Holy Spirit in reality, the anointing of God in reality. Like I said, take a Samson without the anointing and the power of God. Guess what? He's just another man that can't do anything. But when the anointing of God comes on him, he can slay 1,000 men by the power of Almighty God. So what am I saying? You can play a musical instrument in your own strength, with your own talent, with your own understanding, with your own ability. But it's not like when you're anointed from on high and the power of God is enabling you to play to the honor and glory of God. You might have a great singing voice but if it is not anointed it will not penetrate the hearts of people that you're out there singing to but if you have got the anointing of god upon you praise god it will affect the hearts of people it will penetrate the hearts of people and the same thing also with preaching and teaching the word of god can you imagine trying to proclaim truth without power of the spirit Oh, they went forth and they proclaimed and preached the word everywhere they went. Paul the apostle said this, My preaching, my teaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Can you imagine what he was trying to declare and proclaim? Look, he said to the Jew, this is foolish. To the Jew, he said, it's a stumbling block. The gospel to the Greek, he said, is foolishness. But to those who are saved, it is the power of God that transforms a human life. Beloved, why am I saying this? Because there are drug addicts that need to be delivered and set free. Because there are alcoholics that need to be delivered, not by the wisdom of men, but by the power of God. There are lost souls that are out there that are lost in religion. They don't even know they need a savior, that they need a redeemer. They think they're okay. Why? Because somebody said you're okay. I grew up in church for 24 years and I wasn't born again. I didn't even know I needed to be born again. Never heard the terminology being born again until one day at work. Isn't it something that I got the message at work where I worked and someone said, buddy, if you want to make heaven, you got to be born again. I said, who said that? He said, Jesus. He had my attention. And when I found out from the Bible that he said that, I did my best to get born again. I did exactly what I needed to do. I gave my heart to Jesus and I was born again. And then I got filled with the Holy Ghost and power. But once again, it is essential that we understand that this is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. We need the glory of God or the work of God will not get done. So real quick, let's look at this list. What does the Holy Spirit do? When he said it's more important for you that I go, that the Holy Ghost comes. Number one, he convicts people of sin. John 16, 8. He made that so clear. It is the Holy Ghost. When he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That means he'll let someone know you need saved. Don't just think you can get into eternal glory on your own. You need saved. I had that conviction in my soul one day. And I'll tell you what I called upon the name of the Lord and got saved. Number two, he baptizes people into the body of Christ. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. He baptizes us into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 makes that very clear. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we're Jews, Gentiles, whether we're bond or free, and been made all made to drink into one spirit. Number three, he brings a new birth. He recreates the human spirit in John 3 and verse 6. He's the one that does the recreation work. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Oh, thank God for that revelation. You see, if you're not born again, then you're going to die twice. Physically and eternally. But if you've been born again, you've been born physically, and you're born spiritually, you're going to die once physically. Unless Jesus comes, you'll just be raptured out of here. But number four, he witnesses the sons, the, our sonship. He lets us know. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So we have the Holy Ghost working in all these different capacities. Look at the next one. He glorifies Jesus. John 16, 14. He glorifies Jesus. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive it mine and shall show it unto you. Number five, uh, number six, he reveals truth. Look at First Corinthians chapter two. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things God prepared for them, love them. Can you, can you read on, Paul? Can you keep on going in that? But it goes, God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. Notice how they are revealed to us by his spirit. So, God, by His Spirit, will teach us and, and show us things that are to come. But also, He reveals to us the things that are ours in Christ. This is a revelation that comes to us by the Holy Ghost. If you recall that Jesus told His disciples, I've got much more to say to you, but you cannot understand it right now. But the time is coming when the Holy Ghost has come, and He will then show you these things to come. That's okay. But, but as His written eyes not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love Him. But God has revealed them to us how? By His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, ye the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of God, except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. you notice that? There's a Spirit of the world, and there's a Spirit of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdoms teach, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man? can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to Him. Neither can He know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. That's why. But thank God that we have the Holy Ghost to teach us and to show us these things. Look at the next one. He imparts godly character. Oh, I can't even emphasize this enough. God is looking for people that are transformed. Romans 5.5 tells us the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who's given to us. Hope makes not ashamed because the love of God. The love of God is the fruit of the Spirit. The love of God, there's one fruit really loved and all the others flow out of love. But that's the character of God. When you get saved, you've got the love of God that's in you. Okay, look at the next one. Every one of these is a, is a message, to be honest with you. He empowers us for service. Look at Acts 1.8. He empowers us for service. He told his disciples, you're going to receive power. Dunamis, miracle working power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you're going to be my witness whether it's in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the earth, you are going to be empowered to be my witness. And this is not just for those disciples, like some think, because when he came on Pentecost, there were 120 in that room, and they all got it. It's for everyone. Look at the next one. He gives spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Everybody say Everyone. Every man to profit with all. But notice it's the manifestation of the Spirit. Next one you're going to love. He transforms lives. Second Corinthians 3.18, I've been saying it all night. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord and are changed into the same image from glory to glory. How are we changed? By the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will transform a human life. Do you remember David? when he was a 15 year old boy, just a young boy, and he was keeping his father's sheep, he was a little shepherd boy, as a matter of fact when Samuel came to anoint him to be the king of Israel, guess what, he was left out of the whole equation, and he took all of his other sons, the sons of Jesse he took all the other ones before him, and finally when they got to him, he was out there in the field watching the sheep, you have any more sons, I got one more, but he's just a little boy, he's just out there, God by his spirit will take a shepherd boy and transform Form him into a king think about that in other words he'll enable you to be more than you are praise God how by the equipping by the anointing of his spirit and then you think about Moses Moses couldn't kill one Egyptian without being called on it but God took him God anointed him by his spirit And he transformed him from a murderer into a deliverer of the people of God and a prophet, a humble man, a meek man that God mightily used in the exodus out of Egypt, getting them to the brink of the promised land. And the list goes on. I mean, you could take Peter. Peter, you know how rowdy Peter was. And here Peter was just a fisherman. Well, God got a hold of him and transformed him from a fisherman to a fisher of men And an apostle of the Most High God. Paul the Apostle, we already talked about, he was one who murdered Christians, but he transformed him into a builder of the faith. And by the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. And remember how we began this? It's by grace we shout grace. How can you do what you can do? By the grace of Almighty God. How can you perform the way you perform? By the grace of Almighty God. You know what? There's so much grace out there, it's up to us to tap into it. Grace and peace are multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. We can let that grace sit out there dormant, doing nothing for us, or we can call upon the grace of Almighty God and say, Lord, I surrender my heart. Change me from the inside out. Number 11 brings comfort. John 14, brings comfort 1617 I pray the father he shall give you another comforter everybody say paraclete paraclete is the greek word for comforter it means comforter counselor helper advocate intercessor strengthener and standby he is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not neither knows him but you know him he'll be he'll dwell with you and shall be in you so this comforter he has come to comfort us Thank God that we have someone to bring comfort into our hearts and lives, but also to counsel us, to help us and so on. The next one, He heals our body. Romans 8:11. We're talking about the importance of the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit in the generation in which we live. And it's sad to say, but many within the body of Christ never even heard that the Spirit of God could live in us to quicken our mortal bodies and make them strong and healthy. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by the intelligence of men. By an Einstein. No, by someone who is strong. We've got strong muscles. By, by a great diet not that any of that's wrong it's okay to have a diet, great diet but how is he going to quicken our mortal bodies? by his spirit who dwells in us and then finally he enables us to overcome mm, the flesh he enables us to say no to that second donut notice I didn't say the first The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. There is a warfare that we're all engaged in. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, he empowers us to do that. Yes, I understand it's the, it's the fruit of the recreated spirit, but it's the Holy Ghost that brought the character into our spirit. And so we, as we walk in the power of the spirit, he's able to do for us exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power of that's at work within us. Someone says, I'm trying not to do it. Well, stop it because you can't do it. I believe in God for the Holy Ghost to manifest himself in me and the spirit of obedience to rest upon me as I surrender my heart and will to you Father I believe you provide supernatural power that enables me to rise up above temptation and overcome anger, overcome jealousy overcome fear, overcome worry, overcome anxiety and the temptation to do anything whatsoever that this pleases you in my life. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Let's all stand together. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, His ministry, and if we will yield to Him, surrender our hearts to Him, He will show up and He will show Himself strong on our behalf. It's not by power, it's not by might, it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts.